Hi everyone and welcome to the first ever episode of Life is a Ceremony podcast. I'm your host Kelia Ryan. On this podcast we're going to be discussing everything related to plant allied recovery, spirituality, health, wellness. I'm really so grateful to get to be diving deep and the people that I'm going to have on this podcast are leaders in the field and I'm so excited to keep diving deep with this topic, plant allied recovery, and really claim my story. For a really long time now, I've been living this kind of double life. And this episode is my coming out as a person in recovery who also sits with psychedelics. That is something that many people close to me know about my journey, the path that it's taken. But as someone who used to be a really prominent member of AA was the chair of service committees, someone who was sponsoring lots of women who was speaking all across the country. It's just really nerve wracking for me to share this stuff. I, I have my own coaching business and I really stress integrity and yet online through omission, I have kind of been keeping a portion of my life secret for a while. And I don't want to anymore. I'm ready. I'm ready to come out. I'm ready to fully own the path that I'm on and help other people to own that path as well. So I have really dove down this path of what plant allied recovery is and what that means for me. And so I'm here to talk about what, what is plant allied recovery? And I'm here to talk with you about how I am an ex heroin addict, ex meth addict, who after several years of complete abstinence found microdosing psilocybin and then later ayahuasca and how that has changed my life for the better. I'm not suggesting that this is what everyone's path should be, but I think that for people who feel like they've plateaued, who have complex PTSD, I think that it's an, it's an incredible path. And one thing that I've come to realize through my psychedelic research, personal psychedelic research, is that there is a power within us, within us, or people can call it their highest self, you can call it the soul. There are so many different words for it, but it is. it has been, for me, a guiding light in my life. Finding and connecting with my highest self has been absolutely one of the best things that I've done for, for myself. Another challenge that I have with AA. AA is extremely dogmatic. I think that not everything is so black and white and I absolutely understand that in the beginning of your recovery it has to be black and white sometimes. And I think that yeah, I think I think that there is a new way that we can outgrow this. I mean, keep in mind AA was written in the 1930s and it was not written for the addicts that come in today who are absolutely broken. There's so much about the AA culture that is like, sit down, shut up, you don't know anything. And I've always really struggled with that. I mean, one of the reasons that I went back to school when I was working in the recovery field was that I had a really hard time with these concepts. Like, you don't know what's best for yourself. Like, I, I don't think that that's true. I think that we get to a place where we get to learn how to find out and discern, discernment. We get to learn discernment. When am I listening to my highest self and my highest path? And 
when am I listening to lies, lies that I tell myself? AA is extremely dogmatic. It's filled with black and white thinking. It's this way or not. And I fell victim to that. I absolutely thought that if I was to ever smoke cannabis, I would be shooting heroin again. If I was to do anything, I would be back to my drug of choice. There was no, no way around it. And that is maybe what I needed in the beginning. Maybe, maybe what I needed. But I think that I, it also stalled my healing in some ways because I think that it took a very long time for me to find my inner voice and to really find trust for myself. I think that AA ignores your inner divinity, your highest self and the power that is within you. Your infinite wisdom within your heart and soul that has kept you alive. There are other ways that you can get a healed state of mind, body, and spirit. And so I have been really, really passionate in creating a program for plant allied recovery. There's a lot about this like coming out that's been happening for me. Uh, I have a lot of guests coming on here who have also worked in uh, the recovery field who are finding this new way of recovery to be more nourishing, more empowering. And I'm here as someone who absolutely loved 12-step programs, who still finds so much of my foundation from there, who has found a way to transcend from this idea that spirituality comes from outside of us to find the more grounded, higher power that lies within. And, um, and I'm here to offer these podcasts for people who might be struggling and feel really alone um, on this path and to maybe offer some tools and suggestions to find balance. So let's get started. So a little bit about my backstory. I've been studying social work for a long time now, and I have, I have so many training in seeking my own healing. I have, I have just, I've always been someone who has absorbed knowledge. I just like always want to grow and learn and for me that has looked like studying social work because I was so passionate about healing my own trauma. It has looked like being a certified spiritual life coach, a psychedelic integration coach, a holistic health and wellness coach, a certified holistic herbalist, a direct support provider, certified recovery advisor, peer support specialist. I mean I have had so many trainings in this pursuit of my own healing. I've always been someone who has been so passionate about helping other people as well. I mean, I think that a gift of mine is my one-on-one -on -one talking. I think that one-on-one -on -one coaching is really where I feel the most connected to my highest self. And when I'm working with a client, I feel like I become a direct channel and take myself out of it. And so I've collected all of these areas of study over the years. And a part of that was to heal from my own my own stuff. So as I tell my story, I'm really going to share about how these things affected me. So to start, I have a brother who has special needs, and I feel like that really kind of prepared me for this, this space-holding role, this uh, having to trust my intuition role. He's the most beautiful gift and honestly such a blessing. I mean, he is like a pure light being because he has this developmental disability and will always be, you know, like a four-year-old and right now he's 26 in a 26-year-old's body who just, his favorite things in the world are so simple and he's really just the most beautiful divine light being ever and such an inspiration for me. So I feel like that really 
put me in a role of caretaking. Also, just the pattern that I knew from my mom being a social worker, my brother having special needs, my dad working with the homeless population. I think just everyone around me was always caretaking and taking care of others. And so that has been something that I, I came into the halls of AA already having this deep, deep-rooted desire to help others and to hold space for others. When I was 16, I was kidnapped and held against my will. I'm not going to go too much into it because I'm trying to avoid the trigger warnings, but I did have um, some sexual abuse that I had to overcome and, and heal from. And at 16, you know, all of my friends knew what had happened. And I think kids just really don't know, at least back then, kids were talking over a decade ago, kids really did not know about mental health and there wasn't as much mental health awareness and they really didn't know how to be how to be sensitive to my case and so at the same time just kind of like the perfect storm I had scoliosis I had to have a back surgery and so my entire spine was fused together but I was prescribed pain medication from a really young age I was on oxys fentanyl patches and it was the perfect way to escape the unhealed trauma within myself. I did not have the tools yet as to how to deal with that trauma. And so by being prescribed these very potent medications that made me feel numb, I no longer had to live with some of the trauma symptoms. So I started self-medicating with those. And I found psychedelics at some point and I started to believe that there was more out there than this. I felt so, so, so connected to the entire universe my very first time sitting with mushrooms when I was like 16 or 17. And I remember what a powerful moment that was in my life. But because of the opiates and the other self-medicating habits that I had, it wasn't enough to fully change my life. And it wasn't a ceremonial setting. I was just taking it with a, with a partner of mine and it was safe but it wasn't necessarily there wasn't healing intentions the intention was to trip so that partner of mine i lived with for three and a half years and he ended up committing suicide when i was 19. that was really where my addiction took off and i intentionally put myself into the homeless shelter and intentionally touched needle and heroin for the first time in my life and that started a year and a half bender where lots more sexual assault and traumas uh happened for me being alone on the streets and in that state and just honestly really like at that point in my life like I was too afraid to kill myself outright and I felt like this was passively passively killing myself by continuing to use drugs um I felt like I was passively killing myself and at the time it was really what I thought I deserved I didn't understand suicide. I didn't understand the trauma or how to deal with grief. The best coping mechanism I had at the time was drugs. I continued to use and eventually through this 12 steps, which I am not here trying to bash the 12 steps or the AA program at all. In fact, it has truly, truly, truly saved my life. I don't know if I've made that clear in this podcast. I really want to make sure that as I'm talking about plant allied recovery, I am being mindful of 
of all of the benefits and gifts of AA. I feel like I plateaued and it wasn't the space for me, but I feel like the program of AA is still absolutely something that fits into psychedelics. I mean, AA was birthed from psychedelics. And if I'm neurodivergent, so I kind of jump around a little bit. AA was birthed from psychedelics. It was birthed from when Bill Wilson, who's the co-founder of AA, in his story in chapter one, talks about being at the hospital for the second time and dropping down to his knees and having this spiritual like white light experience with God, he was on the Belladonna treatment, which is a psychedelic. So A was birthed from psychedelics, just FYI. <laughs> Anywho, so I tried getting sober a few times. It never stuck. Um, I feel like I never really changed the person within me. I would go to meetings, I did the steps, but there wasn't any deep, long-lasting changes. And something different happened this time through. I woke up, I had been shooting meth and heroin for over a week, I was on the verge of losing my job. I hadn't slept in a week because I had been shooting meth, and I was exhausted, and I realized I had just turned 23, and I realized that if I didn't do something soon, I was gonna die. Like, that for some reason, I don't know... If it was like my spirit guides coming into me and explaining to me, hey, like you don't have any more chances. Um, I had OD'd several times before and I I was I knew my luck was running thin. So I tried calling detoxes, I tried calling uh treatment centers. There was nothing that I could afford. I was doing it on my own. At the time in in Maine, there was only three female beds for like all of southern Maine. So the only thing available to me was to go to, to put myself intentionally into a mess, mental hospital, which I did. I ended up doing all of my own research, trying to find uh, a sober house to get into. I couldn't afford any traditional sober houses with the money that I had, and I was out of luck. I ended up going to uh, an Oxford house, which is kind of like sober living. Everyone there is sober, but there's no house manager. There's no treatment. Uh, it is run democratically by everyone who lives there. And the place that I moved into happened to be on the same street as my dealer. And the only place I had to go was AA. It was the only thing I had um, in terms of, tr of re recovery treatment. Uh, the mental hospital didn't have anything. There weren't meetings there. Um, you know, this Oxford house was great for accountability and I couldn't live with my ex who was using in our place anymore. Um, but those are the options I had. And the point is I chased after my recovery. I chased so hard. I had had this realization that I was meant for so much more and that I was meant to be helping people. And that's really the thing that got me sober was me realizing that the life I was living was not the one that my soul had aligned me to. And so I went back to school and I wanted to study trauma recovery. Meanwhile, I hadn't dealt with my own trauma healing. Although I was really trying to, I was going to a trauma therapist every week for the first two and a half years of my sobriety. I've continued and continued down this path of healing. I ended up working at a rehab and I found what I found that I was really helping so many clients by bringing them and introducing them to things like yoga, which are things that AA doesn't really talk about, right? Like our, our we talk about the mind, body, and spirit being, being connected and how you have this, this malady in your body where you have uh, once you start, you can't stop, right? And you have a compulsion to keep going and that's what addiction is. However, we don't really talk about how to heal the body. We just talk about not drinking. 
Meanwhile, everyone in AA is drinking energy drinks and uh, smoking cigarettes and vaping and all of those things, which I I had another realization, kind of two things happened at once when I was about two, a little over two years sober. The first one is that I was starting to have these really intense health issues, which turned out to be as a result of my compulsive energy drink use. I was extremely healthy. It, it's so funny. It's like, it was so not in alignment with my soul, um, but it was just the thing to do uh, in when you're in recovery, I guess, is to consume copious amounts of caffeine because it's the only thing you got that is allowed, you know? And so, yeah, I, I ended up realizing that I had, my, my liver was inflamed and I was having these fainting spells and it was a result of drinking energy drinks. Um, and I went to the doctor and had my blood levels tested and she was like, are you sure you're sober? And I was like, yeah, I haven't touched any mind altering substance in years, not even cannabis, nothing. And she was like, okay, well, your, your liver is inflamed. And, you know, I was eating extremely healthy. I, you know, ate organic and, and was raised a vegetarian and, um, it wasn't my eating. And I finally, uh, realized that it was, it was the energy drinks. So that's kind of when I started looking into the healing power of plants. I was like, I feel like coffee isn't enough for me. You know, I was like, I used to be a meth addict. I need something with a little more oomph. And so I ended up looking into herbs that brought energy and kind of learning about like how to heal the systems within the body. And I got so passionate about it. I ended up signing up for a, a class and uh, was trained as a certified holistic herbalist. And that was really my first introduction. Now, at the same time that this was happening, I was also trying to actively heal from traumas. Um, I was in EMDR, which is a type of therapy where you uh, are basically recoding your brain um, to bring all of the energy, to bring all of the traumatic memories up and process them correctly from your hippocampus back. And so in this process, I was bringing all of these, it's a very long process. I was going through a six month process of EMDR. And during this process, I was bringing all of these traumatic and repressed memories up to the forefront of my brain. And I felt like a raw nerve. I was walking around two and a half years sober and I was in school full time. I was passionate about wanting to start the first trauma informed women's sober house in Maine. That was something that was like a, a, a passion and the thing that was driving me at the time. I was the chairperson for the main committee of young people in AA. I was speaking at lots of meetings. I was sponsoring lots of women in school for social work full time, working at a rehab full time. And I felt like I was going out of my mind. I was having panic attacks for the smallest reasons and I could not figure it out. And I was deeply in, in therapy. And I, so I made the decision and talked to my sponsor to start microdosing. I had learned through the holistic herbalism and was beginning to have this shift in believing in the power of plants and the sentience within herbs too. Like I really believe that there is a sentience in, in, in plants that uh, we can connect to and tap into. And so I was starting to go down that path and I began microdosing and I just, I, from microdosing, I remember for the first time in a long time, I no longer saw nature as my enemy, you know, after being uh, homeless and having to survive the elements, especially homeless in Maine in the winter without having a place. I don't mean couch surfing. I mean, I literally was living in an abandoned garage with no heat in the middle of winter, going to the hospital for frostbite all the time. And so nature wasn't my friend. And I remember 
microdosing for the first time loving nature again and remembering when I was a kid and I used to speak with the trees and remembering the passion that I had for being outside. So that was a huge change for me. And so that started, I realized in this process, I felt disconnected from the AA community. All of a sudden I had this dirty little secret. And so I started to not feel like I had a community. And I spoke to a friend who I knew was in recovery and I knew had been utilizing psilocybin. And uh, he suggested I go to a, a plant medicine ceremony and have a deep dive. And so I did. I ended up going to an ayahuasca ceremony. It changed my life. My very first ceremony, I realized how much guilt I had held onto for the, my partner who had um, hung himself in our apartment. I realized that I carried around that guilt with me and finally like let it go. And I actually like had a conversation with him and saw him forgiving me and like, and like telling me that I, you know, there was nothing I could have done. It was all divine and how it was meant to be. And it was the most beautiful, relieving experience to have that weight of that like guilt lifted from me. And I finally started to really come into myself. You know, I started to dance and I started to like, really like get to know who I was. I was a dancer when I was younger and I felt like a stranger in my body. And as a result of you know, my spinal fusion, I still felt like such a stranger in my body. And I, and I started to really fall in love with my body again and really start to heal all of these wounds through this space. Now, I, I'm going to be talking a lot about ayahuasca um, in, on this podcast. Um, I have worked now for three different ayahuasca churches in this time period. It has been a, it's been a wild journey. I was asked by, you know, both times I wasn't seeking it. I was asked to be, uh, to come on and to facilitate and be a space holder. And I feel like being a space holder is always something that I've, I've done in one way or another. And it's something that I've always been called to do. I spoke in the beginning of this about how my brother has special needs. And I feel like I really like learned to listen to my intuition first because he couldn't communicate with normal language. And so that kind of psychic ability really helped me in those spaces. And I've learned so, so, so much more from studying under people serving, serving ayahuasca. I started to find myself. And as I continued to sit and dig deep and go through all of the trauma, the kidnapping, the sexual traumas, and started to really, really heal these things within myself, I started to find my voice. I started to find who I really was. And I found the divinity within me that I could not find in AA. As someone who had childhood trauma, like humility came very naturally to me. I needed to learn to believe in myself a little bit more. And so I really found that on this path. And before ayahuasca, I had changed the person that I was so deeply that using heroin and, and using heroin, using meth, using any substances that take me away from who I am are no longer an option for me. I do not want to be taken away from who I am. I have found that through the 12 steps, through just like healing from traumas and changing my life and like becoming a, a leader and becoming a person uh, of integrity and grace on this path, I have needed to step into my power and to really be in alignment and using is not an option for me anymore. And I have been told uh, on the AA path that any mind altering substances will lead me to use again. I have found this not to be true. And, you know, I wanted to wait a while before coming out and speaking about it. I wanted to really make sure, like, am I on a grounded path? 
I've felt especially ungrounded lately through the process of building my home. I live in a tiny house that I built myself and <laughs> it's been a challenge. Uh, it's been a real, real challenge. And uh, I'll probably do an episode about that as well. But I, I found that I, I found my voice on this path. I joined a medicine band. A group of us uh, started playing music together. I downloaded the ability from sitting with ayahuasca of harmonizing. That was not a skill that I had before. And I ended up just after a ceremony being able to hop into any harmony as soon as I heard it. And it was a brand new skill. And um, that I was, I was a gift that I was given. And, and now I sing sacred songs with my friends and we're in a band called Rhythms of Passage. And we have been playing our music uh, in ceremony spaces all across New England now. This path has been such a blessing and I haven't come out about like, hey, I've sat with ayahuasca. Hey, I utilize plant medicines. Hey, you know, I do these things. And yet I'm trying to share and to teach other people how to walk this path. I think that it has taken a lot of learning. There is, you know, there's a lot to be said with intentionality. If intention was not put into all of all of the spaces in which I have sat with plant medicines, I don't think that it would have worked for me. I think that by bringing intention into not just sitting with plant medicines, but really everything that I tried to do, you know, I, I'm, I fall short all the time, but I really try to even, you know, when I'm preparing myself a meal or even when I'm like making my dog his meal to try to really put intention and love into everything that I'm doing and forge my own way. So, Thank you for listening. This was a very shortened version of my path. I'm, I'm going to be sharing in much, much, much more detail some of the, the journeys that I've had. I've sat with ayahuasca over 70 times. Thank you so much for listening. Please support. My platform is very small right now, but I really do want to reach as many people on this path who feel alone, who are entering this plant allied recovery path because for me, it was it was extremely lonely in the beginning. When I was microdosing, I I didn't feel quite like I fit in to AA, and I didn't quite fit into the plant medicine community yet either because I hadn't done a a deep dive or a ceremony yet. So I know how lonely this path can be, and I'm here to help. If you are interested in coaching, please visit lifeasaceremony.com. I'll link it below and reach out to me. I offer financial assistance, and I really just want to be able to help as many people as I possibly can on this journey. So please feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm love. I love chatting. Leave if you leave a review if you're wherever you listen to podcasts. If you if you like this and. And leave a review and email lifeisaceremony at gmail.com. I will send you my free microdosing ebook. Yeah. That's it. That's it. First podcast. Woo! Thank you, guys.